This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Oh, what do you have for us? Well, as we discussed um, just a couple of weeks ago in the last show, mm. Wimbledon have been doing an AI commentary for the first time ever. Not not on the BBC, obviously, but on the Wimbledon app and on mm. the Wimbledon website. Right. So uh, I thought we might have a little listen and see how it sounds. And so here's the end of uh, of a tennis match between... I don't know one tennis player and another tennis player. They, they all pretty. So your astute knowledge of sports there, yes. Oh yes, I know they're both tennis players. Yeah, but uh, and the first voice that you'll hear will be the on-court announcer, followed by the AI interpretation. Here we go. Jabo celebrates her victory after Fred makes an unforced forehand error on match point. After an impressive performance, Jubba defeats Freck in the first round, two sets to zero. Well, it does sound a bit like a computer, but at the same time, it, it, it is does. reasonable English. It is reasonable English. It sounds a bit like a rather constipated Helen Mirren, I think. But g- given how good Alexa Cheaper than the real is, one. Cheaper, probably. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it does sound like a computer, but these days they don't have to sound like a computer. So obviously, you know, not using the best tech, they're using they're using the, the slightly cheaper tech. True. Anyway, it seems to be able to interpret tennis match, whereas you or I probably couldn't do it. So it's better than us. Well, that is certainly true. Uh, you and I, yes. I don't think, could manage to interpret the tennis match apart from someone's hitting the ball and someone's whacked it back over the net. Again. Yes, yes, they wouldn't learn much more than the fact that there were two tennis players playing each other. Exactly. But on now to yeah. talking of two players playing each other, it's on time to talk about uh, Meta and Twitter. Oh, right. Twitter famously bought for a vast amount by Elon Musk uh, a while back, who seems to be doing his best to run it into the ground. Not only is he annoying everyone, he's uh, announced uh, last week that TweetDeck, which is the desktop tool for Twitter that allows you to have multiple columns and threads and things, but only available for verified users. You can, of course, pay to become a verified user. These also limiting the number of posts you read to 1,000 or 10,000 a day if you're a verified user, which sounds like an awful lot of posts. But if you're someone like the United States Weather Service, which relies on tweets sent to it from around the country to alert it of what's going on, then they don't really know what's going on because they're not getting all their tweets because they're not allowed to get them. That does sound like a bit of a drawback. It does sound like a bit of a drawback, doesn't it? Uh, Meanwhile, Meta has launched as Facebook, as was, and it actually still is, let's be honest, Facebook is indeed (laughs) Meta, uh, have launched Threads. Threads being their answer to Twitter. Looks just like Twitter, behaves a lot like Twitter, doesn't have the news feeds 
that uh, Twitter has. But the advantage of Threads is that you can sign up using your Instagram login. And if you haven't got Instagram login, well, you've probably got a Facebook login, then you can sign up using that, which is the same thing. Right. Five million people signed up in the first four hours. A hundred wow. million has signed up in the first five days. And I think for anyone to get a hundred million signups in the first five days is really pretty good going for just about anything. Especially you if can... you wouldn't be able to read about it on Twitter, I imagine. Almost. Uh, well, I don't know. I imagine people have been discussing it on Twitter. I don't know if, if there is a a, a Threads um, algorithm that removes all... Possibly there is. Possibly there is. You can post up to 500 characters in a thread Ooh. as opposed to a tweet. I know, it's quite exciting. Well, the good thing about Twitter was it was only 140 characters. It meant you had to be pithy. Then they doubled that to 280 characters. I think... Boosting up to 500, you know, people don't need to say that much. Mm. And you know, I think it's it may be just too much for, for most people to, to, to take in in one go. But anyway, that's, um, that's how it goes. And um, it's only available on an app on Android or iOS. There's no desktop version. Available in both the US and the UK, not available in the EU as yet because it's not compliant with their data privacy rules. Because as we know, Facebook is not very good at data privacy. I mean, they will take your data and sell it not yes. only to the highest bidder, but to every other bidder thereafter. Yes, yes. So and as uh, Gavin Eldam, our founder, keeps saying, we should be paid for that. We should be paid. You know, indeed, we could. Of course, we should buy into it, yes. yes. Or rather be bought out of it, Yes, whatever yes. the equivalent is. Yeah. So you won't be, well, you won't be using it then, presumably. Uh, I have signed up for it just to see what's going on, and right. a lot of people I know have signed up for it. I've yet to tweet. I don't know what the verb from thread is. I don't, yet oh, yes. to thread. So? The thread, so, yes. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Come up with a, a correct verb. I will let you know if I, I find there, one I by next there, week. I bet there's a, a meeting happening at this very moment discussing it. I bet there is. Exactly. Uh, well, we shall have one of these and then progress. Now, so, if you are hoping to buy a new car, I'm afraid you've just missed your chance on the Pope's Ferrari, which has just oh, sold God. for $6 million. Whew. Now, you may wonder why the Pope had a Ferrari. Well, it, it, <laughs> you can't hey, imagine the Pope driving a Ferrari. Well, not, not really. And the, the, the Vatican City is pretty small. I can't imagine he got very fast speed before he had to slow down again. I don't think he ever actually drove it. So Pope John Paul, as was yeah. Saint John Paul, as he is now, John Paul II, sorry. I don't know if there was a St. John Paul I, so maybe that means he can be just St. John Paul rather than St. John Paul II. Anyway, said saint uh, was a big fan of Ferrari, and he went to visit the Ferrari factory back in 1988, uh, which he drove around the, the local town, not in the Pokemobile, but in an open-top Ferrari, just to mm. show how keen on Ferraris he was. Well, back in 2005, Ferrari visited the, the Pope, in the Vatican, not only dragging Michael Schumacher around, who I know is not a tennis player, but a Ferrari Formula One racer, but 90 other Ferrari employees who were also seated in the Vatican and presumably blessed by the car, by the Pope. Anyway, right. the purpose of their visit was to give the Pope uh, a model 
of the Formula One Ferrari car, which had won just about everything for the past several years. And apparently Ferrari was so moved by their visit that they decided to give him the 400th and final ever Ferrari Enzo straight off the production line. Well, that has been sold to benefit tsunami victims. And it was just sold again for $6 million. I don't know if the fact that the Pope once looked at it is uh, is relevant. I don't think he ever actually drove it, but it is nonetheless the Pope's Ferrari and will remain, I suppose it could be the Saints' Ferrari now, couldn't it? If uh, Are there Ferraris in the afterlife? Yeah, not Simon Templer, the other one, yes. Not Simon Templer, as you say, the other one. Yes, yes. Old joke <laughs> for uh, people who are watching telly in the late 60s. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If you uh, So if there is a car that you do want to drive, you might be interested in the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which is the first legally hands-free car to be driven on the roads in the UK and indeed in Europe. It is the first hands-free car allowed in really? the whole of Europe. Mm-hmm. I didn't think we'd got to that stage yet. Well, it appears we have. It'll cost you an extra £18 a month. On top of, of course, the cost of buying the Ford Mustang Mach-E in the first place, which is a little more than £18 a month. Right. Um, the, the drawback being you're only able to drive it hands-free on motorways. Right. And you have to keep your eyes on the road. So if it, it's got a, a, a camera built into it with an infrared camera that looks at your eyes... And if you look away from the road for more than five seconds, then it chimes at you. And if you still don't look back after another five seconds, then there's a second chime. If you still haven't looked back at the road after 15 seconds, then it squeezes the brakes just to try and jolt right. you awake in case um, in case you sort of dozed off. And if you still don't respond then it slows it down to 10 kilometres an hour. Now, one <laughs> of the drawbacks of the Ford Mustang, apart from everything I've just mentioned, is the fact that it doesn't do automatic lane changing. So if you have dozed off and it slows down to 10 kilometres an hour in the fast lane, then there could be an awful lot of very angry motorists queuing up behind you and presumably saying things about Ford that are not entirely complimentary. That's true. Well, I can only imagine that might happen if you fell asleep. I mean, taking your eyes off the road for more than five seconds seems to be an awfully long time, unless, of course, you're watching some drama in which people quite often drive while looking at the person next to them. They do, while swinging the steering wheel left to right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Which Mm. is the accepted way of being seen to be driving. So uh, there's not really very much difference between that and cruise control, is there? Well, no, that's You are actually doing a bit of steering in cruise control, but that's it. You have to do a bit of steering in cruise control, of course, comes free with with most modern cars these days. So I don't know how many people are going to stump up their £18 a month, but it'd be worth trying for a couple of weeks, I suppose. But as you say, if you just sit there with your hands down by your side, gazing at the motorway, then it's not that much. It's not that much from actually driving, is it? No. I mean, if anything, I would have thought it'd make you less alert. Yes, and more worried at the same time. Because, I mean, how far do you trust this? Anyway, there we go. Oh. From, well, from let's, there, have a, let's pause there. Have a, yeah. have a quick break. Um, we'll continue in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Listening to Gadget and Gizmos on Share Radio with Simon Rose and Steve Kaplan. Where are we going now? We are back on the road, but this time on a bicycle. On the bicycle with the Ertopia X e-bike, which is the first e-bike with chat GPT built into it. How about that? Why? Well, that's a very good question. And I'm not entirely sure. I did manage to track down a bit of film of someone talking to their e-bike. And he said to it, uh, what are the best things to visit on a cycling tour of Los Angeles? And it came up with this. Oh, hang on. Here we go. Start your day at the iconic Hollywood sign. While you can't get up close to the sign, there are several viewpoints where you can take great photos. Head to the Hollywood Walk of Fame on Hollywood Boulevard. Walk along the sidewalk and spot the stars dedicated to famous actors. So, a sign you can't actually cycle to. Yes. Somewhere where you can go for a walk. And we can go for a walk. And it noted it doesn't tell you how to get to any of these places. It just tells you things you can see. I mean, I'd have thought 30 seconds on TripAdvisor would give you a much better idea of what to visit in Los Angeles than listening to your, your bicycle talking to you. The good news is it's not available. <laughs> right. If you are interested in Ertopia bikes, you might have a look at the Ertopia Cord, which sells for £1,975. Why is it called Cord? Well, there's two reasons why it's called Cord. One is because it's in tune with your ride. The oh, other right. be- reason being it's inspired by the piano. And I, I puzzled in what way? Out. Well, it's 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 black with white bits. I think that's right. the only reason it's inspired by a piano. Anyway, there's Utopia for you, should you fancy something you can't get or something you can get with a silly name. Oh, I know why. It's because it's like two grand. Two grand pianos. It is two grand. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thank they, you. They should have um, made it £2,000 and then given you yeah. 250 quid back yeah. as a bonus. Yeah, yes. yeah. Right. Well, that's um, not something I should be rushing out to get. No, indeed. Now, you're often complaining. That the stuff we I talk am. about on on gadgets and game gizmos is very rarely actually available. Well, here's well, something that is it's available. It's a good point. <laughs> it is. Yes, okay. It's a good point. Available now is the Soul Reader. Now we're used to seeing VR glasses for people who want to watch movies up close and indeed very very personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, who don't want to sit in front of a huge screen, but they put these glasses on with uh, the the projections inside the glasses so they can watch movies apparently very, very big right in front of their eyes. The Soul Reader is the same kind of thing for people who want to read books up close and very, very big. They are quite chunky. They're quite ugly, big, black. I would get them in different colours as well. Um, uh, Glasses. And they project EPUB files, which is the standard um, ebook publishing format, onto a couple of e-ink screens. And you can adjust the, the diopter for each one so that if you are short-sighted or indeed long-sighted, then you shouldn't have to wear your glasses 
while reading your book with these, which is just as well, because I don't think you can wear your glasses while wearing a pair of these things. Available now for $350 from soulreader.com. I cannot imagine a single person who would choose to either buy or wear a pair of these. Hmm. Well, that would be a problem for them then. It will be a problem for them, but they're going, they've made them. They're out there. And here's something else that you can buy now. Well, you can't buy it now, but uh, you'll be able to buy it very soon. So robot dogs. We all, we've all we seen plenty of videos of robot dogs. <laughs> what could be scarier than a robot dog? A robot dog with a flamethrower. What? Absolutely. This is made by a company called Throw Flame, who make flamethrowers. And they're currently taking pre-orders for the Flamebot 9000. And it is a robot dog with a flamethrower mounted on its back, capable of shooting a 10-meter jet of flame for 30 seconds. How about that? You want one, don't you? I can well, tell you want one. It'd be useful for the barbecue. <laughs> it certainly would. Uh, it's available in the third quarter of this year. They're not saying the exact price, but by piecing together the components, I reckon it'll be about $3,500. So if you want one, go to throwflame.com and you can get yourself a dog that will absolutely terrify not just your neighbourhood, but presumably several neighbourhoods uh, around. Have they said what people might use it for? No, they haven't. I, I cannot imagine what people are going to use this thing. This is the second gadget in a row where you think, why have they made this thing? But uh, apparently people will, will want it. I suppose it could patrol their, their factories, and it would certainly be quite a deterrent, wouldn't it? Just have to hope there's nothing inflammable in the factory. They'd have to point the dog away from the factory, I think, yes. on the outside. Well, I suppose anyway. if I was a burglar, I might be deterred by a robot dog with a flamethrower. You, <laughs> you might, you might just I throw it a would. piece of synthetic steak. Exactly, that would do it. Yes. All in that lab-grown steak. Yes, that's all. Oh, is that is that about to be a, a segue for you? Well, funnily enough, it is going to be a segue. Lab-grown meat is expensive because right. it's, it's it's quite costly to make. And there's a a UK startup called Mulek. I don't mm -hmm. know if they name that after cows or they just like the name of Mulek, um, which has added pig genes to soya beans to produce what they called piggy soy. That's soy with an extra O in it. I don't know why the extra O is in there, but it's piggy soy, uh, which are effectively farmable soya beans that are 26% pork which, uh, frankly, is a little scary again. I know, I'm, I'm doing quite a lot of scary stuff today. Anyway, they are entering trials with it. They haven't managed to grow any yet, but when they do, they reckon it'll be a much cheaper way of making soya-based things that are a quarter pork. It's, yeah, I but know. if they put pork in it, yes. it's not really lab-grown meat, is it? No, no, pig genes that they Oh, pig genes. Yes. Oh, right. I don't know where they get the pig genes from. Presumably from pigs. As you mentioned genes, can I tell you a joke? So they've discovered the gene that makes people fat. She works oh. in Greg's. <laughs> uh, yes, I thought you might like that. So where do we go now? Um, We go to, I think, time for crowdfunding time of the week. Oh, in that case, I must give you one of these. Now, scuba diving. Have you ever been scuba diving? I have not. I, I have been scuba diving once. 
Not an mm-hmm. altogether enjoyable experience, but quite quite interesting. Right. And the trouble with scoot driving, if you're uh, if you're long sighted, in other words, if you need reading glasses, then when you get close to something, you can't see it very clearly. Now there are various things you can get. You can get stick-on lenses to put onto your mask, or you can get a very right. expensive mask. Or now you can get the C Deep, S Double E Deep, right? Underwater reading glasses, specifically <laughs> for scuba divers. Yes, and they're made to clip onto your mask with a, a piece that goes over the nose piece. Assuming right. your mask has a nose piece, and they are available to on Indiegogo. Uh, fifty-nine pounds for the aluminium version, rising to a hundred and nineteen pounds for the titanium version, which also comes with a hard case that you can carry them around in. Do you think scuba divers need to read things very often? I don't think they do, which could be the reason why they only raised two percent of their seventeen thousand pound goal. So it could be that they never actually get there, which would be a bit of a shame because it's a quite a quite a, a cute idea. But as you say, I don't know. No, I don't know. Scuba divers do need to read underwater very often. Although if they did, they could always wear one of the uh, soul readers VR glasses. That then they could read underwater without bothering anyone else around them. Yes, yes. A particularly strange lot of things you found for us today. Well, I'm Where glad you've enjoyed it. Oh well, if you think that's strange, how about robot surgeons? Now we've seen robot surgeons uh, in action. And the good thing about robot surgeons is that their precise hand movement can be mimicked by a robot some distance away from the actual surgeon. Doesn't even have yes, to be on the same yes, yes. continent. Yes. And the robot then copies the hands of the, the robot surgeon. But sometimes you need more than one surgeon, or rather more than two hands. You might need four hands to hold various different things. Well, the Swiss Institute EPFL has come up with a four-armed laparoscopic remote tool, which includes four hands for scalpel and retractor, but also for a camera and a gripper. And, well, how does the poor surgeon at the other end control four different arms with just his hands? Well, the answer being, like any good organist, or church organist will tell you, he uses his feet. <laughs> Good grief. And they've okay. made a prototype of this. And the feet, it's not just pedals that go up and down like organ pedals, but they are mounted on complex gimbals. So they can twist them, they can rotate them, they can rock them side to side, and they can slide them forwards and backwards. So while his hands are operating the scalpel and the retractor, his feet could be operating a camera and, and a gripper which is, I think, remarkably clever stuff. It'll be quite tiring, presumably, for the surgeon. And I imagine quite a lot of training would have to be done in order to to learn how to operate the feet. I think surgeons actually get quite a bit of training anyway. I think they do. They might even need some additional training. Yes, right, right. That's what it means, starting from scratch. sounds quite intriguing, but without knowing any surgeons, I have no idea if they're going to find it useful. Yes, well, who who knows? We'll have to meet a surgeon who can tell us. And finally, we are well used to TV programmes where they're rescuing bodies out of the water. Almost every episode of Morse, for example, has a dog walker who stumbles upon a, a yes. body in the in the river. And I don't know if you've been watching Annika with Nicola Walker on BBC iPlayer currently, but 
ashes, river police, there are bodies in the water aplenty. But how do you find them? Well, they send divers down, as we've seen in episodes of well, pretty much every police procedural that's ever been ever been on. Mm-hmm. Um, ETH Zurich have come up with the Tethys One, T-E-T-H-Y-S. Tethys apparently being the wife of the Greek god Oceanus, which I hadn't realised, but now we know. No, no, right. Underwater drone. And you tell it what to look for, in other words, a dead body. Right. And it will go along autonomously, a little hunt for dead bodies, uh, ignoring all the old boots and shopping trolleys that it may come across on the way. When it finds the, the dead body, it then tells an operator who can take over and use the camera to see what it actually is. Ooh. Those police is... divers are not going to be very pleased, are they? They're not. They're not work. Put them out. Well, they'll still have to go in and recover the body. I suppose that's true. I think. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's quite intriguing. It is. I thought you'd like that one. Sounds a great deal more useful than um, a robot dog with a flamethrower on the back. But what do I know? <laughs> Steve, thank you very much indeed. That's it for this week's edition of Gadget Gizmos. Thanks to Steve Clapham. We'll be back with more gadgets useful and useless at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.